hello there and welcome to the first edition of the current podcast which is actually an extension of the current blog um so this podcast is probably for those of you who prefer to listen than read um i'm joined by harry our content marketer and we'll be discussing all things e-mobility and evbox um in today's episode we'll be joined by Roger Atkins um founder of Electric Vehicles Outlook but also our host for Revolution 2020 on March 31st um so Roger it would be fantastic if you could tell us a little bit about yourself um before we get started I'm happy to do that Ryan uh so I'm Roger Atkins as you said you've made me be the host again you know I had to be forced for about 3 seconds and uh, <laughs> then I agreed um because it's a great show I'm mm. pleased to bring to it the stuff that I've learned over 30 years in automotive 15 years in EV um things that I learned a lot through LinkedIn uh, are things equally that I hopefully bring along lots of people I've met lots of things i've discovered um so uh i suppose in in learning all that stuff over these 15 years of with, with ev i've kind of got to get a flavor a sense and a flavor of things that then allow me to talk to people on stage you know free and easily um hopefully without notes cuz i'm not very good at reading notes i'm not very good at doing what i'm told really to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> but you know it happens so yes i'm the host and really looking forward to it we had a blast uh, this year 2019 and um we're going to have a blast and some for the show march 31st 2020 so we visited the venue a few weeks ago and it sort of looked like a movie set what do you think it looks like an inverted close encounters of of the third kind spaceship it's in uh, a converted gas tower so what's fantastic about that is there we all are bundled together a thousand and more people talking about the future of not just new mobility but new energy in an old gas tower and um it's used as a music venue it's used as a venue for all sorts of things because it's spectacular and um we had a great time in it uh this year it was the first time we used it 2019 mm-hmm. and it was so successful in terms of how it works what it looks like what you can fit in it and all the other things that goes on um yeah absolutely we're using it again so i'm i'm really excited so it's early 2020 can you see anything coming up this year in terms of e-mobility trends thinking long haul the electrification of hgvs anything like that well you said there harry um trucks and delivery things i think a couple of things there and interestingly i think uh, i'm not sure why you said that why did you say those particular things just out of interest well just recent news with the cyber truck and the amazon fleets really yeah well actually um for a long time um and in fact i was at a company called modec in 2007 in the uk there was yeah. a startup ev manufacturer of an electric truck It's a five and a half ton truck, three and a half ton with two ton payload. Wow! So five and a half GVW electric delivery van that could do a hundred miles. FedEx bought some; they always do. They'll buy yeah. at least five, like FedEx, etc. Yeah. Tesco's had some. Speedy Hire had some. Center Parks even had some. <laughs> and um, uh, and I felt at the time, as we all did at that company, that this was the beginning of the revolution. So it's like twelve years ago. Yeah. that uh towns and cities would see more and more electric delivery trucks um and we hoped that would happen and it didn't yeah. so why didn't it well think about what happened 2008 2009 2010 we were then in the midst of a financial meltdown a mm. banking crisis call it what you will but what i think that did over the last 10 years is basically 
um, delayed or, 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 or damaged um, what I thought was going to be the first wave of electric vehicle adoption, mm. to, to answer your question, Harry, which is in commercial vehicle fleets. There's, there's many commentators and people for some time who've said that the issue about um, clean air in cities is kind of like Pareto law. 80% um, of the pollution caused by 20% of the vehicles. So what are those 20%? Well, surprise, surprise, their taxis, mm. their buses, and their delivery vans. So it would make sense to deal with those things that cause most pollution first. Um, because airborne pollutants, the whole thing of uh, that stuff, it is part of the twin imperative that EVs are all about. You know, many things are all about. You know, climate change, mitigating CO2, but also dealing with air quality. There's a twin imperative. Yeah. And so, you know, I think what's going to happen, I'm really confident this is going to happen. We're going to see accelerated adoption of EVs, but mostly in commercial vehicle fleets, taxis, buses and vans. I think you, you mentioned, Harry, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. So, yeah, 100,000 electric vans as an order. It's the single biggest electric vehicle order in history. Mm. Now, I'm not that clever, so I'm not sure if it's the single biggest fleet order of any vehicle in history. So... So I think you're already now seeing it happen. You are seeing this, this electrification of commercial fleets. So I find it interesting um, that you originally thought the shift to EVs was going to happen 12 years ago. Um, do you think that economic reasons and financial reasons are at play here? I, I think that, um, yeah, it, it's, it's financial. It's about leasing. It's yeah. about confidence, residual value. It's mm -hmm. about choice. Yeah. yeah, for sure it's about technology. Because if you look at what batteries cost then no, exactly. to what they cost now, oh my word, drastic. you know, it, 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 drastic's not the word. I mean, from about 2000, and I was looking at something from Bloomberg recently, and it went from about 2010 to now, and it went from, um, oh, about $1,100 a kilowatt hour yeah. down to about 140 or something now. Oh, wow. So that's a massive difference. Yeah. So it's all of those things you mentioned. And yeah. um, okay. I think more to the point, the public are much more away, aware today, 12 years on from mm -hmm. when, when we were knocking about <laughs> uh, with Modec, um, about air quality than, than, than they ever were. We've also seen that car sharing is becoming increasingly popular. Um, do you think there's a chance of that becoming more EV focused in the future? Well, like I say, I think anything that operates in a in an urban environment that's kind of sort of defined mileage. Mm -hmm. So if you have a taxi, um, there's two sorts of taxis. Certainly in the UK, there's public hire and private hire. Mm -hmm. So the public hire, the black cabs, you know, yeah. the ones you wave at in the street, yeah. and and the private hire is the ones literally that you privately hire and, and, and you book them. It's a book mm. taxi as a document of it. So those companies like, for example, a big one in London, Addison Lee, yeah. they know exact, they know the demand cycle. They know the, the, the pattern of range required mm. and a whole host of things. They've got that data. Yeah. So they can see that. And therefore they could match much more easily mm. the electric, electric vehicle proposition um, with what the marketplace is. And I think yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a big adoption because I think over and above what national policy is or even European policy, what's occurring now are city policies, mm -hmm. city mayors and other people saying we're going to have a zero emission zone in these postcodes. You can't drive here if you've got a petrol or diesel engine. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Well, if you're a taxi firm or a delivery firm, 
Well, you better get an EV then, don't you? How are the UK going to catch up? Are they going to have to implement something nationwide or is it going to be at city level they do something? All around the world now, if you think about it, if you think about it logically, what you read and hear is that the human population is increasing, but not everywhere. Yeah. So in some countries it's declining, but in places like Africa and Asia it's increasing. And not only is that population increasing, but it's becoming you know, urbanised, it's becoming, you know, city dwellers, mm -hmm. all of this sort of stuff. So that means that the, the bigger areas with more people are those cities. So the areas of influence and dominance are cities and mayors in cities, whether it's in China or America or in Europe or anywhere else, they are the people now responsible for, you know, I mentioned that twin imperative earlier, yeah. the air quality. So they will bring out policies because they're much more, I think, directly accountable to the electorate or the local people, even if they're not elected, mm -hmm. um, um, uh, th than anyone else. And, and this is almost like back to the future. It's only a few hundred years that we've had nation states. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the history of the world mainly is about cities. Yeah. You know, the great empires, when you say them, you say Rome. You know, yeah. or, or you, you know, you say these these, these Athens. You you, yeah. you say the city because that's where the power was, and we're almost kind of going back to that in a sort of slightly weird way. So, what's the biggest obstacle then? The problem for OEMs, for car manufacturers, is they want it to be blanket. They want to have a European thing. They want to have an Asian yeah, thing because they want to make a certain type of car that fulfits and fits. Everybody. Yeah. They don't want, this is like a nightmare for a lot of them. They don't want someone who lives in Amsterdam, for example, who then has a car that can do whatever, um, but then drives to Paris or Berlin and there's a different regime there. They can't drive their car there. Yeah. It, it's a bit like, you know, it's sort of the opposite of what you'd imagine. But you are right. I mean, I, I do agree with you, but this is the mindset shift. This is the kind of structural change that's going on now around you know, type approval or mm -hmm. the legislation of, you know, emissions, etc. It's, um, you know, it's becoming a bit, bit tricky. So there's been a lot of news recently about lithium batteries, the end of life procedure and their sourcing. What's your opinion on this? I think what, what's regularly talked about inevitably is cobalt um, within batteries. That, depending upon which battery company or car company you're talking about, is becoming lesser in the mix of those batteries for various reasons. Um, but that particular you know, uh, mineral um, predominantly comes from one country in the world, from, from the, what was formerly Zaire, um, the, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And a lot of it is artisanal mining, and it does include children collecting the materials in baskets in not nice you know, situations. But then, you know, tidy, smart people in lovely parts of the world to drive electric vehicles. And that doesn't sit well with, with it shouldn't sit well with anybody. Um, so there's that, lithium. Um, lithium comes in a number of forms. I, I just thought, well, it's lithium, isn't it? You know, you just get it from the lithium shop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, a bag of lithium, please, mate. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be a pound. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's brine, uh, there's spodumene, uh, there's lithium rock, and it comes from Bolivia, it comes from Australia, it comes from all sorts of countries around the world. Um, and understanding how that works, the chronology of discovering mineral um, resources, uh, establishing a mine, putting that mine together, feeding it into the supply chain. And then not only that, um, the lithium's got to be automotive grade lithium. So there are different grades of lithium, mm -hmm. you know, it's like football teams. So, 
this is like Premiership Lithium we're talking about here. So it's Liverpool Lithium. Let's, Liverpool, let's put it like yeah. Liverpool Lithium. Maybe not Man United. Uh, it, it could have been Man United a couple of seasons ago and not now. Not now. So Liverpool Lithium. What does that mean? It means lithium that within the battery chemistry is stable, gives the delivery of the, the uh, predominant um, requirements, safety, uh, durability, cycle life, yeah. cost, etc. Well, cost is a challenge because it's the better quality stuff, so of course it's more expensive. Um, so this is a very long answer to your very simple question is, which is, it's an issue and the more people understand it, the better, so we can then deal with it properly. So this is a question that I am quite interested to hear your perspective on. Um, you obviously use social media as a platform to advocate EVs. I was wondering why you use social media and also why you find it so effective. Ultimately, what it should, the purpose it should be there to serve is to progress something to make things happen mm -hmm. to make a difference yeah. basically um, and, and if my stuff does that great I hope it does because I connect people and ideas and things and all, all of that but if anyone wants any you know I won't call it advice but any tips it would be you know if you want to build a social media platform be prepared for hard work yeah you know you can't there are no magic tricks you might post something and it gets a million views because of some reason or another yeah. but then it'll all fall away again yeah so if you want to build up a long-standing you know consistent profile on it um it'll take time you'll have to work hard and just be yourself be as authentic as possible yeah yeah but no look i'm a huge fan of linkedin yeah it's, it's helped me run my own business you know at 55 years old i could have like a few people i know start to oh i think i need to slow down <laughs> and i kind of felt i need to speed up a bit yeah. And the reason I felt that was I thought, well, if I'm 55, I haven't got, you know, my future is much less than my past. Mm -hmm. I better hurry up. If I want to do things, if I can make a difference and other stuff, I've got less time left to do that. So I better get on with it. So I've more speeded up as I've got older, mm -hmm. got busier as I've got older and engaged in more things yeah. as, as I'm older than any other time before. And LinkedIn has been the kind of, you know, catalyst to all of that stuff. I guess uh, one final question I had was, do you fly a lot or do you try to um, take the train as much as possible? To some extent, I'm a hypocrite in that talk about, you know, all these things that have to happen and I fly a lot. So mm. where I where I kind of avoid flying to be with people that, you know, I like to work with and do stuff, then, then I do. So coming here on the train and going to Paris on the train is, is what you have to do. And is it a bit less convenient? Mm. Yeah, but... Come on, you know, it's, it's worth it. You've got to do it, you've got to do it. Yeah. Simple as that. So that's all we've got time for. Um, Roger, we'll see you back here in Amsterdam on March 31st for Revolution 2020. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you Thank very, you very much. much. Cheers.